Oh, church family, we are so glad. Hey, off-campus, online freedom family, if you're new with us and don't know what that means, off-campus, we're so glad that you're here. I have gained so much from this off-campus family. You guys are amazing. I know some of you never comment or whatever, but I know you're with us. Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it when... Uh, with the comments last week, we were in lobby time talking about like what are we going to do with a you know a spring break? It's not going to be uh, not going to be so like great weather and all that kind of stuff. You guys gave us so many good ideas. Uh, we ended up being able to do some tie dye. We ended there's a lot of tie dye actually. We ended up being able to go on a scavenger hunt. Yeah, with my teenagers. I just told them they didn't have a choice and they actually also had to have fun. They had no option. <laughs> And it was fun. It actually was really fun. So thank you, city, town of Elmira? Town of, I don't know how many people live there. Uh, thank you, town of Elmira, whoever put that together. That was a really cute scavenger hunt. And uh, a couple of things. So thank you, off campus. But one of the things I also saw is in our Connecting Point group on Facebook, if you're not part of it, we'd love to have you be part of it because Pastor Aaron helps us just to connect all week long. Sometimes just fun stuff, just checking in with our family, our church family, our community here, but also there's great spiritual content, help us to just stay focused during the week on the Lord. Uh, one of the things that was on there was Angela added that in the YouVersion app, there is a, a feature. So if you have a second device that you're not you know, using to watch the service right now, if you go to the YouVersion app and go Discover, which is on the bottom menu, on, this is on my iPhone, so I assume there's something very similar on every other device, and then you type in the search window, YouVersion Rest, and there's like 30-minute videos that will guide you into uh, silence and solitude. So some of them have um, just some background noise as far as like looks like rushing like rain or water or different things. And some of them have people reading psalms to you. And you can choose male voice or female voice, whatever you find the most helpful. Uh, so yeah. So that's just a, another great resource from our off-campus family. Thank you guys. You guys are amazing. So appreciate that very much. Something to discover later on. So we are in this... We're in this series, Your World Peace, understanding there are so many things uh, in the world that try to take our peace away and, and trying to find out exactly how it is that you can walk in peace every single day. So we're going to combat the, a lot of the, the messages of the world. Um, like we talked about last week, sometimes, sometimes the world around us has some great ideas like meditation, like silence and solitude, but when you add uh, into it the way it was really intended, to meditate on scripture, to be silent in the presence of God, it takes it um, to a transformational level. So we're going to talk about that in another uh, way today. This, is, this one is going to be talking about peace in a driven world. So let me tell you something right off the bat. You are amazing. You are. Yeah, you are. There's a few people. I forgot to tell you. There's a few people in the room. We get 15% capacity for the last time uh, for a few weeks here. So we have our families in the room with us. Some of us do. Uh, if you didn't know this already, you are amazing. Who, me? Yes, you. You are amazing. Okay? And more specifically, we are amazing together as a community. We are amazing, the things that we can do together. Just look at the world that we built. Okay, I, I got this off the internet, so I don't know if this is true, but it's probably close to true if it's not true. Just bear with me. I'm not sciencey like this, but I read this. The iPhone 6, okay, 
the iPhone 6. The iPhone 6 is so old, we don't even use it as one of our cameras in the room. Is that true? We don't have a 6 anymore. It's too old. The camera's too horrifying, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the iPhone 6 is 32,600 times faster than the best computers that sent a spacecraft to the moon and can perform instructions 120 million times faster. You wouldn't be wrong in saying an iPhone could be used to guide 120 million Apollo-era spacecraft to the moon all at the same time. And that's the technology that we give to our kids because it's too old and slow for us to deal with and they use as their iPods, right? Am I, am I right? Right. Uh, and so I know that there are massive inequities in the world around us. Uh, there are so many things wrong in the world, of course. And the truth is that we actually do have the capability to solve major issues like hunger and clean water and medicine and infrastructure and the many, many, many other things if we choose to because we are so powerful and amazing together. When we come together around an issue, it really is so incredible. And in a smaller way, this is also how things go viral, right? So many millions of people at the same time or within a short period of time decide to consume the same content and suddenly somebody comes, becomes famous. We, can, we do that collectively, one at a time, individuals coming together. We have this kind of power to, to launch somebody into stardom very, very quickly or bring a new issue to the forefront in a really powerful way. This happens all the time. And it really shouldn't come as a surprise that we are so amazing especially when we're together, because Genesis chapter 1 tells us that we were created in the image of God. We don't fully know what that means, like what that actually means fully, except that we do know that we bear the image of the creator. So we should know that we are incredibly creative in many, many ways, especially in the context of community when we bring all of that creativity together. And this has always been true, even before we figured out electricity or indoor plumbing, hallelujah, to live in 2012. 2012? Did I just go a year ahead? I went back? I just went back nine years? Hey, guys, uh, my, my oldest child just became an adult this week. So I'm pretty much um, having a crisis of age right now in years. So <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday. Okay, so this has always been true. Back on track. This has always been true. Um, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. There's a, a really fascinating story right at the beginning of Genesis 11. Of course, this is in your version app. You can follow along with all of these scriptures. If you go to version and then more and events, and then you can find us there. The Tower of Babel is, is this story here, Genesis chapter 11. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found the plain at Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. 
So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Isn't that a fascinating story? Why would God do this? Why would God do this? Was he afraid of, of what they were doing? Isn't he the one who created their ability to do so many amazing things? Why would he do that? We know he doesn't feel threatened by them. He is the one who created them. So that's not his motivation. That's not part of his character is to be threatened by us. Uh, and there is, there is also, like I don't know if you heard it, but there's a little dig in the scripture here. Because you know how they were building a, a city and a tower to reach the heavens, but God had to come down to see it. Like, he's like, cute. Oh, you guys, so cute. I love it. I love what you're doing. Like, no, that's not what he said. But uh, they were trying to reach him, and he had to come down to see it. Uh, his motivation then wasn't that he was threatened or jealous or envious or anything like that. It had to be that he had a deep concern for what he was seeing as their father. Nothing will be impossible for them. So for their own sakes, I'm going to throw a wrench in this machine and slow it down. He confused their language to keep them from worshiping themselves, building an, an idol to themselves. Uh, so right from the beginning of human history, we were not prepared to recognize the limitations of our finite existence here on earth. We always longed for more and chased after more. And this story took place sometime after the flood. So maybe they were, maybe they were trying to fortify themselves against God. They, they, they had heard the stories about what had happened. We're not sure exactly when this fits in the timeline. Uh, it's, it's just kind of set into some other lineages there. But So maybe they wanted to protect themselves in case of another flood. Maybe they didn't know about or trust the promise of the rainbow, that that was never going to happen again, God had told Noah. They didn't know, uh, maybe they didn't know the God who made the promise. Maybe they couldn't be sure that they would be saved if something happened again. And so they tried to fortify themselves in this city. Maybe it was all of the above. We don't really know. But when we look around at our lives in 2021, that's the year we're living in, guys. 2021, <laughs> not a lot has changed. Not a lot has changed. We can still accomplish amazing things. And we are doing more and more amazing things all the time. We are still, though, trying to control our own destiny and find every way to live our best life right now, the best we can. We are still driven, and the pace has gotten infinitely faster. Like that iPhone 6 that's at the bottom of your kid's backpack right now. <laughs> Could have sent 120 million Apollo spacecraft to the moon at the same time. And then we open the scriptures again to John chapter 14 and read this one verse, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So how do we find peace in such a driven world? I want to suggest that it's not a matter of denying how you were created. You were, after all, made in the awesome image of God, and you are loved by him. I want to suggest that it's a matter of deciding what you are going to spend that currency on. There's a way that leads to burnout and anxiety and insecurity and emptiness in this life and separation from God in the next. 
And there is a way that leads to fulfillment and joy and security and deep peace in this life and, and the presence and perfection of God in the next. So how are we going to spend the currency of what we've been given and how we've been created. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. I want you to hear what Jesus said about this. Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Jesus says this to his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. When Luke records in his gospel account this same thing that Jesus said, he said it even more specifically. He recorded it that Jesus said, take up their cross daily. And follow me. The cost of being a disciple, so, and being a disciple, we'll use that word, it really just means to follow the life and teachings of Jesus, uh, to do the things that he said and to, and to emulate our lives after him. That's what means, it means to be a disciple. Um, to, the cost of being a disciple is reiterated over and over and over again by Jesus. Um, I left this list for you in the YouVersion app. Um, it might also be coming up on the screen. Uh, this, he said it so many times in Matthew 10, in Mark 8, Luke 9, 14, 17, John 12, there are three themes that keep emerging. You can look at those scriptures yourself later on. Uh, there are three themes that keep emerging when Jesus talks about the cost of discipleship. The first one is self-denial, saying uh, no to self and yes to God. Like taking yourself off of the throne and making sure that God is on the throne of your life. So th that one comes up over and over again. The second one is to take up a cross. So to pick up that burden of sacrificial serving, to abandon personal ambition, to serve where it's best for you, uh, not best for you in the kingdom, but what's best for the kingdom. Uh, and the third one is to follow Jesus. He says to follow him all the time. So this idea of obedience to the things that he said, staying in step with him, copying the leader. Not following in like a social media sense where you just like click and done. This is like an actual, more like the old game, follow the leader. Doing what he did, uh, responding the way he responded. So why on earth would you want to do this when, like I said, you are awesome and you can do incredible things with your life. Why would you just not just do whatever's in front of you? and seems best for you, and just live your best life right now. Like, why would you not do that? Because you're so awesome. Frankly, Jesus' way, self-denial, taking up your cross, and following in obedience to him, doesn't sound like as much fun. And I hear you, but listen, there is a difference between living and real life. And Jesus gives you a formula for life, not just existence. He gives you a formula that allows you to not wind up losing your soul in the drivenness of the world around you, the things that you think are best for you. Jesus knows that we see our lives very, very narrowly. We are only able to see what's around us, what's right in front of us, what the algorithm wants us to see. We are only able to see a small fraction of time and history 
and we're only able to really focus on the things that call most loudly for our attention most of the time. We are amazing because we're created in the image of God, but we are limited. We are the creation, we're not the creator. And like at the Tower of, of Babel, he, he creates, God creates a, a disruption in our worldview that is for our good. He tells us what is needed to produce the things that we're actually seeking for. Real peace, lasting peace. Not the el elusive idea of peace that we'll find, you know, we're going we're gonna to be able to rest just, just after we reach this goal. We'll be able to, we'll be, able to have, be at peace when, when we have all of the things, the 2.5 kids in the white picket fence. Does anybody <laughs> do that anymore with the white picket fence? But you know what I mean. With no mortgage, by the way. 2.5 kids, white picket fence, no mortgage. Then we'll be able to rest. Then we'll be at peace. Or when we finally give, get that job or that promotion that, that fills our potential and, and, and meets the cost of living in Kitchener, right? Then we'll be able to rest. When this project or this illness or this issue is finally behind us, these are the things that we think. But the truth is that you could get all of those things, whatever is on your list, you could check the whole list off and, and you could even have a sense of peace for a moment, but it will not and cannot last. If it's based on something here and now, it can only last for the moment. It's only going to last in the here and now. There are no guarantees in life. You know this. Anything can happen to anybody at any time. There's no guarantee. So today's success or completion or promotion, while we celebrate those things, and yay for you in the moment, it's going to come up short. Those things are going to come up short every single time. And Jesus has an answer for this, and it's deny yourself. Abandon your personal ambition. Follow him. Seriously? Yes. In fact, my notes say, yep. <laughs> Maybe that's how I meant it. Yep. Seriously? Yep. This is Jesus' answer for it. And listen to me. Jesus was, talking about, was not talking about minor discomforts here. Those who heard him say these words, especially in the context they were written, or they were said and then written down. They knew what it meant to take up your cross. It's obviously not something that we do uh, in our culture today, thankfully. But they knew what it was. And he, they knew that taking up your cross was like the final stage before a person's crucifixion. They understood that metaphor, that imagery. Jesus was talking about death to a whole way of life. He was talking about the utmost in self-sacrifice. That death to selfishness and all forms of self-seeking. Why? Because it is perfectly possible to gain all the things that we have set our hearts upon and then wake up one morning to find that we have missed the most important things of all, as one commentator said it. It is perfectly possible to gain all the things we have set our hearts upon and then wake up one morning and find that we have missed the most important things of all. When Jesus says you can try to gain the whole world, that word world really does mean material and temporary things as opposed to God. It's, I know it's cliche, but it's incredibly true. We can't take it with us in the end. Oh, I heard this. I think I heard it yesterday. Nobody, nobody has a hearse 
and a U-Haul. You've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul. You can't take, I think it's just a video I saw yesterday. You can't take it with you. You know this phrase and we know it's true. The things that you gain in the world are, can be really fun and really great as long as they're not the reason, the thing that you're chasing after because um, those things are not going to help you when you hit a difficult season in your life. Somebody in your, in your family, maybe even yourself, you get critically ill. Those things don't matter anymore. When you hit a crisis in your life, these things don't matter anymore. And that's just in the temporary, let alone for eternity. You can't take it with you. And Jesus even warns us here in the passage that we read from the book of Matthew that there are also consequences if we try and gain all of these things in the world in dishonorable ways. But people who risk all for Christ, maybe on the outside they look like they've lost something of value, but they actually find life. It's the people who are prepared to bet it all, bet it all that there really is a God and that he's worth following. These are the people who find real life. And this is the peace that Jesus gives in a driven world. And I tell you, it's definitely not like anything the world gives. Yeah, there is a price for discipleship. We, we're never going to sugarcoat that, of course. Um, that Again, that word discipleship, that that word we use to describe a life of following Jesus. There is no denying that there is a price. It requires you to surrender what drives you in this world, and in return, it gives you what the world could never give you. Peace in this life and your best life in eternity. Your best life later, among other things. I mean, we could list all of the incredible things that come with a life of following Jesus. But specifically, we're talking about peace. The kind of peace that you're looking for is found here, actually in self-denial, not in chasing after the thing that you think is going to bring you peace. And I know that the message of the Christian faith is upside down and backwards to pretty much every other message you hear. I get that. I recognize it. It's fair. But I'm asking you to consider taking Jesus' invitation seriously here from the book of Matthew. What are you striving for that isn't going to last? What are you trying to gain that is keeping you tired and distracted? What have you accomplished that has actually given you lasting peace? What if you tried something else? What if it became about modeling your life after Jesus instead? What if your purpose came from doing the things that he taught and making your life about others. Really different kind of a way to live if you haven't tried it before. But what if you tried something new? What if you tried it his way? What if you could change the narrative of your life and saw for yourself what peace in this life right now, in this moment, in this season, before you pay off your mortgage, before you get that promotion, before you get through that illness? What if, or hey, before we end this pandemic. What if we could have that peace right now by following the way that Jesus said would lead to peace? I, I know, and I, I say this with every kind of bit of humility because I am a very driven person. I don't like that term A-type, but it probably describes me if that's a thing. 
I don't love to sit still. If you know me, you know that this is true. I have a million ideas. I actually like change. Like, I'm in that group of people who are like, how can I, I want to change my room around. Just, just for no reason, it's functioning perfectly fine, but just for the sake of having it changed. Like, just for something new. I actually like change. I know a lot of you are like, why, why, why? Why would you do that if it's perfectly fine? Don't touch it, right? I get that. But that's just not me. I know I'm a driven person. I know that I tend into this lane all of the time. This is the lane I'm going to drift into. But let me tell you, um, from my experience, I don't have this conquered yet, but I will tell you that the Holy Spirit has been working on me for such a long time on this that I'll tell you that um, when my ideas and my energy and my calendar and my planning and my priorities and everything else I could put into that my list um, become start to be surrendered to Jesus and I instead of asking what can I do today I'd be like God what should I do today what do you want me to do today Um, I I gotta tell you something I started to find a freedom that I didn't know existed. I thought freedom was on the other side of the list. Turns out freedom is right here in this moment. I found freedom that I didn't even know was possible. And I don't do this perfectly. (laughs) Ask my family, they'll tell you. But I I tell you that God is transforming my life in this area. And I, I know that it works. I know that it works. And do you know what it feels like to have a free heart to be free from pressure, to be free from um, whatever it is that I, I am striving towards um, without asking the Lord anything about whether or not he wants me to be doing these things. Do you know what it's like to be, to be free of those things? It is peaceful. It's peaceful. Jesus' way leads to peace. He doesn't give the way the world gives. He gives in a way that takes away fear, that takes away anxiety, that takes away um, that drivenness. And he gives us real peace. So I started to ask the Holy Spirit to show me what should be on my calendar. This was a big one for me. Maybe this would be helpful for you too. I, I literally say, God, help me not only to remember the things I'm supposed to be doing so that I'm not behind or forget or, or don't fulfill a commitment that I, I have made. But what should be on my calendar? What are the things that you want me to focus on? Sometimes I do exercises. I've talked about it before, like a... Uh, like a six by six or last my last one was 10 by five by five by three over the next 10 weeks what are five things I'm going to do um I think I did five by five by three because I did I I broke up some priorities over the next that quarter for my uh, work life and my personal life and my my spiritual life that helps me to say and I didn't say here are the things I want to do I said Lord here's a blank piece of paper how would you like me to fill my time because you know I want to stay busy but I want to do the things that are actually going to be honoring to you and and won't have me chasing something that's not going to lead to peace. I started to ask other believers to critique my ideas (laughs) for my own sanity. Sometimes I have have ideas. Ask the staff what it's like sometimes. I have a lot of ideas. But I've really tried to say, I have an idea. Tell me why this is a bad idea. Because I'm really, like, we'll we'll just launch this tomorrow. And having other believers to say, Do you have capacity for that? Is this the next right step? And submitting it to the body um, is such a beautiful thing. I've started to work hard to do that. I started to settle into the fact that I couldn't do more than I could do. And I'm really looking for ways to be more intentional and less hurried. And this is like, like I know that I can be an addict in these areas. And so I'm just telling you, I'm processing through this. But this is the work that God is working on in me and it is leading to increased peace in my life in a driven world from a driven mind and it's a really beautiful thing um, the presence of God 
okay, something that I can practice and, and uh, recognize every single day when I stay in this space. And it's better than anything that the world could offer me. Better than anything the world could offer me. He really does give peace in a way that no one else and nothing else can match. So the question is for me and for you, what do you need to lay down so that you can receive his peace? What are you driving for that you need to lay down and receive peace? I'm not saying don't do anything. God gave us, remember I told you at the beginning, you are awesome. You have so much capacity. You have so much creativity. There are so many things you could do. But when those, when those capacities are surrendered to Christ, the things that you do do are powerful and peaceful and unhurried and effective for the kingdom. And in this context also, effective for your own life to stay peaceful and to stay in his presence. And so I offer that to you today and ask that you would invite the Holy Spirit to show you any part of your life that you need to lay down so that you can receive peace. It's not easy in a driven world when there's more things to do and say and places to be. Well, not a lot of places to be right now, but let's assume that there was. There's a, a lot of pressure. There's a lot on your, our calendars that could be there that maybe you think should be there. But what do you maybe need to lay down? Invite the Spirit to say to you, just kind of bring those things to your mind. That's what it's like for me. I'm, I'm just... In case that sounds weird to you, invite the Spirit to speak to you. Don't be weirded out by that. Literally, I will just pray, Holy Spirit, show me what it is that you want me to do. Or, maybe more importantly for me, not to do. And show me what it is that I'm gonna, that's going to lead to peace, into an unhurried life, um, into a life that looks like the unhurried pace of Jesus, but with intention and beauty all around walking in the presence of the Father. So let's pray that together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and speak to us today. Some of us are just more naturally driven than others, but we can't deny the fact that the world around us is, is going faster and faster, calling for more and more from us giving us more and more opportunities, but also crowding our minds with busyness and noise so quickly. We, we know that that's true. And so we pause to recognize it. And we also just sit in that promise that you came to bring peace and that you don't give as the world gives. We want to receive that peace. And we want to recognize in our own lives, that we know in order to do that, we're going to have to lay some things down. We're going to have to do it your way. And we just want to say thank you because we already know in advance of that, that your way is going to lead to life, real life, peace in this life, and, and eternity with you. We don't, we don't want to gain the whole world and lose our soul. And it's a little scary to think about taking up our cross and what that might mean, what that self-sacrifice might mean, what kind of ambition we're going to have to lay aside, um, how, how we have to get in front of you and be still and ask you what you want for our lives. We know that that's a big sacrifice, but God, help us to be willing to make it, knowing that our best life 
is still to come. Help us to have our eyes on more than just this moment. The next goal, the next hurdle, the current crisis, whatever it is, help us to have our eyes fixed on eternity and live our lives in a way that honors you. Show us in what ways that we can follow you. The things in our lives that don't line up with that. We, we just willingly say, show it to us, Holy Spirit, and then give us the strength and courage to walk it out the way that honors you. We know that there's a lot of fear in the world. There's a lot of fear of missing out. There's a lot of fear of not being able to do what we think we're supposed to do. There's a lot of fear and anxiety around us, but we, can, we, hear, we hear you saying, Jesus, we hear your call. You told us not to be afraid. Don't be troubled, but to receive your peace. And so thank you for that. Thank you for providing the way and the strength through the Holy Spirit to walk it out. We love you. And we're looking for you in every moment. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.